Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up, an update on NFL quarterback situations after the first preseason games. Mr. Irrelevant is now becoming relevant. The New York Giants' present is Eli, and its future is in good hands. I have been telling the folks, this is the poor man Phil Sims. Got to listen to me over there. The New York Jets have reason to be happy about their top pick. Oh, Broadway Sam. (laughs) It's his town, man. That's it. We look at other positions and other teams, like the Green Bay Packers. His step up might be a step down for Geronimo Allison. And the Atlanta Falcons. Grady Jarrett, as far as I'm concerned, is the most critical player on their defense. And some trade possibilities for a couple of players, including Raiders holdout Khalil Mack. I see this guy possibly just walking through the door by week six. This is the Scouts Honor Podcast with inside information. Well, luckily for AT&T right now, the Jets are burning up the foam wires. And unique perspective. They're already on their second offensive coordinator over here. It's like putting your shoes on before you put on your socks. From Super Scout Dave T. Thomas and your host, Paul Crane. Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Crane, back with the Director of Operations of Scouting Services, Inc., and the publisher of the NFL Draft Report, Dave T. Thomas. Today, an update from NFL camps. And Dave T., in our last podcast, we talked about some of the top holdouts around the league. And do you have new news regarding Khalil Mack in Oakland and the ability of them to either sign or have to trade him sooner rather than later? Well, luckily for AT&T right now, the Jets are burning up the phone wires. They're making uh, a determined effort to try to get Khalil Mack if Oakland does put him on the trade market. Still, you got to look at the thing. They are desperate against the cap over there with the Raiders, and I don't see a solution to this thing unless they put him on the market. If they put him on the market, several teams will come biting, but it all comes down to what does Chucky want in return. Obviously, they're going to want at least the number one draft pick in this, but you look at the roster with the Jets right now, and you look at the roster with Oakland, I don't see a matchup player for player-wise there. So this is probably going to have to come down to a point where another team steps in looking for an edge rusher or that we're going to see Khalil Mack be a long holdout. And other teams are well aware of the Khalil Mack situation. And if he is staring at a long holdout, how does that force John Gruden's hand in the Raiders since they're already in training camp? This is different than an off-season trade situation. Well, you know, he's attached to $8 million, $8 million plus for this year. So you're looking at a guy that really had two... Uh, two seasons last year and one. He had the bad part, then he had the good part. But the problem was the good part still didn't show what he showed in 2016. I think the front office, I think the staff right now is more so in a wait-and-see position. I don't think that they want to give him a long-term contract. They're looking at their cap issue. They're looking at, at worst, if he does show up, they could go ahead and franchise him after the season and franchise him again after the next year. It all comes down to the production. They got to get a whole lot more out of Mack than Urban than what they got in 2017. So how likely, considering the cap strap the Raiders have, 
do you think it is they actually will trade Khalil Mack before we get to opening day? I don't see a solution otherwise, Paul, unless the kid comes in with his tail between his legs. I, you know, he's going to lose over 800000 just from holding out in training camp alone. Sooner or later, you've got to look at that check that you're going to the bank with. Uh, you know, every Monday, you get that little piece of paper. When Khalil sees that that piece of paper is not coming for several weeks, I see this guy possibly just walking through the door by week six so he could maintain and keep his unrestricted free agent status after the end of the season. And then he still would be facing a possible franchise nonetheless. Or you look at what's going on with Le'Veon Bell, and it's the same situation all over again. A disgruntled player that wants a big deal. A team doesn't feel he's worth a long-term investment, whether based on injuries or production issues. And now you turn around, and what do you have? you got your stalemate out there. This is not going to be a solution that's going to end easy enough. Not only that, you're looking at a player that learned a new system, and, you know, they changed the whole defense around over there. There's another contract situation that has not gotten really any attention, at least from us yet, and it certainly is not a holdout situation. But with the Atlanta Falcons, we know what has happened with Julio Jones and that contract situation. But that's not the only pending contract issue for the Falcons, is it? Grady Jarrett's out there. Well, Grady Jarrett, as far as I'm concerned, is the most critical player on their defense. They could talk about their young linebackers as much as they want, but you got to go back and look at what this undersized guy has done. You know, to me, he's a poor man's Aaron Donald. And, you know, Donald's going to walk away with some buku bucks. So if I'm the Falcons right now, I'm sitting up there, I'm looking at, I just handed Julio Jones a big deal. I just handed Ricardo Allen a big deal. But my most critical player on defense right now is Grady Jarrett. Do I want this to turn into another franchise deal? Do I want to go out there and turn around on this guy and possibly trade him? Hell no. I look at my defensive line as it is. This guy's key. I think a five-year deal around $50 million, that could probably get the deal done. It's probably going to cost them just a little bit more than that annually to bring them through the door, but he's well worth it. You cannot wait until 2019 to get the money on the table, especially when you look at the fact that they just lost on Terry Poe. They lost on Terry Poe because they knew Jarrett was ready to take over the leadership role. So now you don't turn around and get, bring in a disgruntled leader on top of it. The money that they gave Julio, he deserved. The money that they gave Ricardo, you know, right now I would have thinking that the big guy right now wearing 97 deserved a whole lot more ducats than Ricardo got. There's another situation in Philadelphia with the Eagles. They are quarterback heavy, except they just brought in Christian Hackenberg. What, what do we read, if anything, into that move for a team that has not only got the trophy, but one of the best quarterback situations in the entire league? Well, I think I got to go out there and start checking limbs in Philadelphia's camp. I, you know, we're talking about the knee on Carson Wentz. We're talking about the shoulder of Nick Foles. I could see where they might want to go out there and bring in another arm, especially during training camp itself. But, you know, Nate Sudfeld, a lot of teams out there are eyeballing this kid and saying, hmm, maybe we could steal him. You know, they got Callahan that they brought over from uh, Green Bay after he was rejected several times by them. But Hackenberg through the door, uh, unless he's throwing some passes in practice, I can't see that as 
in any impact as far as Callahan or Sudfield goes, but it does concern me about what the condition of Wentz, what the condition of Foles is at the moment. That situation obviously we'll keep our eyes on while talking about quarterbacks with everyone now having one preseason game under their belts. Way too early to make any final decisions, but it's the place where you get first impressions. And why don't we start at the top in terms of the uh, rookie quarterbacks, for example, and teams with new quarterback situations. Let's go ahead and go to the Cleveland Browns. They beat the Giants 20-10. to A couple of quarterbacks to note. We'll start with the top pick, Baker Mayfield. What are some of the things he showed in the first game, and what are some of the concerns, if any, after the first game? Well, you got to understand, uh, this is a quarterback that is on the rise. This is a quarterback that you know is going to sit for at least a year or so. So especially if they were so convinced that he was ready to play, they would not be sitting down trying to get a contract extension done with Tyrod Taylor. But I'm impressed with what he's done out there. You know, you're looking at the culture of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, how could I put it? Uh, there's no place for them to go but up. So by having Mayfield getting the reps and the exhibitions, getting himself prepared for the season, I don't think it's the point where we're going to play musical chairs along with Taylor like uh, Buffalo did last year where Perry uh, Peterson was thrown into the fray. But I'm looking at a point right now where Mayfield needs to show the team that, yes, I can take that climb up the ladder. Yes, if Tyrod goes down, I am ready to step in. And in that same game, Kyle Laletta got to play for the Giants. Of course, Eli Manning didn't play. I, I'm telling you. Yep, there, you've been saying it oh, since before the draft. Oh, I am telling draft. you, brother. I have been telling the folks, this is the poor man Phil Sims. Got to listen to me over there. I mean, the practice opened up this morning. It was Mr. Webb that was sitting there with the third unit while Laletta was taking reps out there on the field with the first and second team. It's a very, very smart quarterback. This is a kid that, okay, he doesn't have the cannon of the arm, but he is extreme accuracy. Webb knew that going into this thing, oh, I'm coming off of a great minicamp. But minicamp means squat once you get into training camp. Is he a logical cut? No, I still see him being a number two guy just because of the seniority basis. But I'd be looking behind him right now. I'd be listening to Satchel Page. You know, don't turn around because somebody might be gaining on you. Oh, yeah, you say that a lot. And clearly, Kyle Laletta is uh, Guys, it's just the beginning. I don't care what anyone says. When Eli hangs up that football uh, helmet, man, you better get on the Kyle bandwagon because he's the next man up. Well, let's move on to the other highly drafted quarterback, and he's in New York. How about Sam Darnold? People are, it's only one game and a preseason game at that, but people uh, are getting excited about the third overall pick in the draft. Oh, Broadway Sam. <laughs> it's his town, man. That's it. You know, let's forget about it, man. I mean, he is showing everything of, to justify why he was the third pick in the draft. He is showing everything why Cleveland should have gone ahead and taken a Trojan instead of taking a Sooner at number one. I'm real excited for this because now we have turmoil in the opposite form as far as quarterbacks go. I mean, we could go back and look at the Geno Smith error, which then kicked the blue error it up with Eli missing a, a, a start and bringing a big kerfuffle there to put a head coach out there on the unemployment line. But I look at what's going on out there. Not only did he play well, but Teddy Bridgewater played well. And 
I am certain that right now that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are looking at the player Bridgewater and saying, do we cut bait on Winston? No, it won't be in 2018. But logic says if you could buy low right now on your future quarterback and a kid is only uh, uh, tied into a $5 million deal if he makes the team, I think a $5 million backup quarterback named Teddy Bridgewater is a whole lot worth more to me than a starting quarterback named Jameis Winston. That will certainly be an interesting situation to watch because the Jets, with Josh McCown as the quote-unquote placeholder until Sam Darnold is ready, and if Darnold continues to impress, how likely are the Jets to utilize Bridgewater in a trade, whether it be with Tampa Bay or somebody else who could come knocking? Paul, why do I why do I keep on looking and getting ready for that Labor Day death shot and seeing Sam Donald at number one? I guess it's because you too are very impressed with what you saw. You know, and the same thing holds true, what I'm seeing out here in Arizona. I am not worried about what they called a rocky start for Josh Rosenthal. I look at one thing, and it is critical for them because their Achilles heel right now is at center. They lose A.Q. Shipley. Okay, he's not exactly what we call an all-world center, but go back to the Paul Brown era, and Paul Brown always says, I build my offensive line from my center and I work my way out. Why? Because that's the guy that's standing right in front of my quarterback to protect them. Why? Because he's the guy that has to deliver the ball back to my quarterback. You saw six low snaps in that game this week against the Chargers. You go out there and you look at that. That's a problem that they're going to have to deal with, or they're going to have to abandon the shotgun moving forward. Well, Josh Rosen had some flashes of uh things that made people uh, happy with what they saw in that game. Sam Darnold, of course, didn't play very much, but how do you see that unfolding? Again, we're early, only one preseason game under our belts, but the the Sam Bradford, Josh Rosen situation in Arizona. You know, we get them on as advertisers because I look at Sam, uh, uh, you know, Sam Bradford out there, and why do I see a duck on the sidelines with headgear on? I mean, you, you, we're talking about the poster child for Affleck over here, at least as far as football is concerned. So that's why I want to have Josh Rosen at the ready. Mike Lennon, Mike Lennon, you are a clipboard holder, but if I put you out there on the football field, it could be trouble. Moving along with some other quarterback situations, it was interesting, the Minnesota-Denver game, Minnesota scored a lot of points and won the game. But a couple of guys to talk about. Kirk Cousins, of course, got the huge contract. He's going to be the guy. But you've been talking about Kyle Slaughter since before the draft. What did you see from him for Minnesota before we get to the Denver quarterback situation? I mean, if you want to go out there and have a great trade ship, especially with teams out there that might have injuries at quarterback or might decide that, hey, I need to change something right now, you look at the QBs out there on a I actually put Slaughter at probably a better value right now than even Bridgewater. And those are probably the top two available quarterbacks on the market. Still, you got to look at that offensive line that Minnesota got. Okay, they held up well, and Kirk Cousins had himself a pretty decent short performance. But when I got an offensive line like that and $85 million invested in my quarterback, I better have a quality backup that could step in and next man up. We're not going to slow down on offense. And, of course, the Vikings saw exactly that last year when Sam Bradford was there and went down, and Case Keenum led them to within an eyelash of getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, The other side of the ball in that particular game on Denver the Broncos run by a Hall of Fame quarterback John Elway Case Keenum is now there he of course didn't play much 
but Chad Kelly was pretty impressive. We kind of touched on that in our last podcast, but what do you see moving forward with Chad Kelly in terms of backing up Case Keenum and the future of Paxton Lynch in Denver? Mr. Irrelevant is now becoming relevant. Mr. Irrelevant is going to be so much so relevant that Case Keenum will start looking over shoulder beginning next year. Understand, Case only signed a short-term deal over there. So if Kelly comes through, and honestly, if Kelly didn't have all the off-field issues uh, during his college career, this was a guy that could, probably could have gone on day two of the draft. So now you're looking at what's going on out there. I thought it was Halloween watching that game. Paul went Paxton Lynch stepped on the field. There were so many boos going on in the stands. It was <laughs> pathetic. They literally booed that guy off the field. You, you know, we have two following right now and what we have is is a Hall of Fame quarterback who is an average uh, general manager who cannot recognize his own mistakes. Number one was Paxton Lynch. Number two was hiring Vance Joseph. They're already on their second offensive coordinator over here and neither one of them. It's, how can I put it? It's like putting your shoes on before you put on your socks. When you've got a quarterback like Case Keenum, you want to work to his advantage. You don't want to expose his disadvantage out there on the football field, and that's the long ball. Okay, he did have that big toss uh, to Stephon Diggs in the playoffs, but, you know, Case is more the type of guy, I'll come out there and I'll move the chains for you. But if you want me to go for the home run ball, watch out because some fluttering is going to go along the way. A couple of other quarterbacks I want to get to before going back to some practice news. Um, the Carolina Panthers beat the Buffalo Bills in their preseason game 28-23. But the Josh Allen, A.J. McCarron quarterback situation for the Buffalo Bills. What, what if anything, should we read out of this first impression game? Oh, first impressions are against, you know, your second and third unit of your opponent. So I'm not going to be sitting out there going, okay, okay, I got my future. I do have my future, but my present right now is going to have to come down to McCarran, or I'm going to have to go out there and say, let's sacrifice the season and go with Allen. I don't think they're ready to do that. However, on the other side of the ball, their other first round draft pick looks like an all-pro already in Tremaine Edmonds. And that's another you talked about before the draft and on on draft day in the Buffalo Bills. Paul, but that kid over there, Paul, he's going to change the culture of what teams look for in middle linebackers moving forward. You look around the league right now, you know, those six-foot-tall, 235-pound uh, uh, little uh, fire plugs, those are the guys that most of the teams have at MLB. This kid has range. This is a kid that could drop back in coverage. He could play a, a, a boundary safety position. That's how cat quick he is. I think what you're going to see, especially with teams using interchangeable safeties, they're going to start looking for those six foot four, six foot five middlemen. And you were singing Edmonds' praises before the draft. I alluded to a couple of other quarterbacks who are rookies. We got first looks at the other one taken in the first round, Lamar Jackson by the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco's had a pretty good training camp. He's been a satchel page of sorts since draft day, knowing that he needs to look over his shoulder. But with the Ravens having won against the L.A. Rams 33-7. What do you see right now between Joe Flacco, his situation, Lamar Jackson, who played uh, the most of all the guys, and Robert Griffin III was in that game as well? I say G3 is number two on the board, so he's going to drop one of those digits at the end of his name. I see Jackson being used more so as trick plays out there on the football field during the first year. But that's definitely their future there, especially if they're looking for, how could I put it, a smarter version of Michael Vick? 
Well, that's one way to put it. We understand what you're talking about. Uh, I want to ask also uh, another rookie who you were high on before the draft, and he's in a situation, he's on a team that can afford to take its time with him. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mason Rudolph. Ben Roethlisberger did not play in the preseason game against the Eagles, in which the Steelers won at 31-13, but Mason Rudolph did. First impressions from him? Uh Got to learn how to hold on to the football. Stop eating those butter biscuits in the morning, man, because the little picking is slipping through your hands. You know, it's called picking the basket over here, but you got to at least basket the, the football itself. I think that what we'll see is something within three years down the road, but the problem now that Pittsburgh has is a pleasant one. They've already anointed Landry Jones as their number two guy. They've sort of designated that Joshua Dobbs is going to be the guy that's going to be out the door when the final cuts come. So now you you're going to start seeing in the coming weeks over here teams that might be looking for a backup quarterback, looking to possibly trade rather than dealing on the waiver wires because out of all of the quarterbacks they put out there this week, Dobbs was the one that showed most. You know, you look at what the kid could do. When he was over at Tennessee, to me, he was sort of like another version of Lamar Jackson himself. So he might become trade bait for the Steelers since they're obviously in pretty good shape with Rudolph and Roethlisberger, if not Landry Jones carrying that third spot. Well, the thing what I like is who's carrying the ball out of the backfield, and it's Jalen Samuel. I mean, the more and more that Jalen Samuel plays during the exhibition games over here, the more and more the front office is going to say, Le'Veon Bell, we'll see you in 2019 wearing another uniform. Do you think there might be a trade, or we'll just wait for Bell to come in as we discussed previously and look to Samuels next year but go ahead and let Bell get as many touches as he can and share the load with Samuels once Bell shows up. It's like buying a brand new car. As soon as you take it out of the showroom, you're not going to get your value for it. So even if they go ahead and trade Bell right now, they're not going to get the value that he's going to be on the field. However, he's at a position where a lot of people like to kick the tires. Why? Because they know those cars are going to break down in the short term. And you've got to look, go back and look at Le'Veon Bell's history couple of uh, issues off the field, uh, a whole lot of contract issues out there, but then I also look at how many times he's been in the trainer's room since he's become a professional. Last game I want to touch on before we get to a practice situation, and that's the Green Bay Packers win over Tennessee. 31-17 on the scoreboard. Aaron Rodgers didn't play, so it was a chance for that backup quarterback battle uh, to take place. What did you see from the Green Bay quarterback situation, and, of course, even the receiver situation, which has been one of the question marks in their training camp. Players like Marquez Valdez-Scantling stepped up in the first preseason game. Well, his step up might be a step down for Geronimo Allison. You know, Allison is a quality player, but he has had injury issues and drop issues for them out there. You look at the numbers, 370 yards plus, you you have to be impressed with the backup quarterbacks. But then I look at them, too, and look at their pedigree. Hunley struggled through 10 starts last year. Kaiser was so disgusting. Paul Manning, Hugh Jackson had to jump in the Erie River after he spent 15 games with this guy in the lineup. You turn around and look at that uh, fourth string. Boyle, who came in, and I got to look at the pedigree of this guy. Three horrible seasons with Connecticut Huckies, a mediocre year last year with Eastern Kentucky. My biggest concern isn't with the backup quarterbacks, because if I'm Green Bay right now, I'm either sticking with Huntley over there, or I'm going ahead and trying to pick myself up a quality backup, hopefully a veteran, but my biggest concern is 
That's who they replaced at the quarterback coach position in Alex Van Pelt. Rodgers was not too pleased with that. Frank Signetti comes in. He's a good quality coach, but that chemistry that Rodgers had with Van Pelt over the years, and now you got uh, uh, Rodgers coming up for a contract issue on top of it, you don't want to tick off your number one boy, do you? Not on that team. That's for sure. And when speaking of Aaron Rodgers, we talked on a previous podcast about what Rodgers did in terms of calling out the young wide receivers. And while he did not play in the first preseason game, uh, Valdez Scantling wasn't the only young wide receiver who seemed to step. Equinemius St. Brown seemed to have a good game. What kind of an effect do you think that's had uh, on Green Bay moving forward with this this receiving crew that needs to show something by the time we get to opening day? Well, I bet you the equipment manager is really glad their first names are not put on the back of the <laughs> if that was the case. Mr. Brown would have to wear two of them. <laughs> what if it, well, I think what that, you see. We're lucky well, St. Brown didn't be with Valdez Scantling because if you had Equinemius Valdez Scantling, but that's a whole other story. But go ahead. Oh, my God, Gary, if those two get married and have a child, I get you. <laughs> but, but what I got to look at what's going on over there is you look at what Rogers did. You look at what Ryan Tannehill did with uh, rookie running back uh, Howard Ballage down at, at uh, uh, Miami. I want my field general to step up and act like a field general. I don't want him designating. So when I got my quarterback out there barking orders or sending kids to the sidelines, that's good for the culture of the team because all of a sudden, and that quarterback gets back in the middle. He gets a little bit more respect from those Joe Blows, you know? And that's the one guy that's got to have it because we say it all the time. The quarterback is the one position that permeates the entire team, really on every team. Before we wrap it up, Dave T., let me go to one practice situation. The Jets and Washington Redskins, they practiced against each other, and I guess they didn't <laughs> stick to fundamentals. Not only were there fights on the football field, but it spilled over into the stands. And after it spilled over into the stands, the, the scribe sidelines started with each other. I mean, you had everything but the ball boy out there with bats swinging at each other. <laughs> you know, it's like a joke. It's sort of like uh, when the, the old uh, Broad Street bullies used to come in and play the Rangers. I went to a hockey game and a fight broke out. Well, I went to a football practice and I ended up in a wrestling match. I guess they were just getting ready for SummerSlam before SummerSlam started, Paul. Well, I guess so. And, and you know, fights happen. Well, what is you? What, well, you, you know, boys will be boys. That's what I say. But and, isn't you know, it something anytime that, you're t- But isn't it something that it, it shows a lack of control? At some point, a fight is really not good in training camp. I don't understand why you want to scrimmage against another team. I mean, as soon as you do it, show me one time that a team scrimmage against another team and a fight didn't break out. Hell, I mean, you go back and look at the Jacksonville situation. They actually had a fight break out between two defensive players. And then on top of it now, you got another defensive player that came out in defense of his teammate, which I find, you know, okay, Jalen Ramsey does have a big mouth. He is able to back it up on the football field, but sooner or later, he's going to turn into a Josh Norman or a Richard Sherman type where people are just going to say, shut up. But right now, he's the number one quarterback in the league. You don't turn around and put your best player on defense out for a week. But, you know, that's Tom Coughlin trying to show tough love. I'm not arguing with Jalen Ramsey going after the press. You know, you go after the press, what do you do? You win the locker room. Even if you lose the press. Well, the whole thing comes down to he's only going to have to worry about that when it comes time for the Hall of Fame votings. And 
by then, at least they'll have the Terrell Owens rule in effect. <laughs> well, he's got plenty of time to make up for that. And we'll see if Jacksonville has time to make up for not only suspending corner Jalen Ramsey, but defensive end Dante Fowler for the fight. That's, that's the cancer in the locker room. This is a guy that's fought with his own team. This is a guy that cheap-shotted an offensive player out there. This is a guy that they've had problems with ever since they signed, whether it's getting him on the field because of injury or his, how could I put it, lack of desire in practice. Yeah, somebody's got to turn around, take that boot, and uh, shove it up where the sun doesn't shine. And we will leave it there. Dave T., thank you for all the information. Again, if you've got a comment or a question for Dave T., email him at scoutingservices at AOL.com. Scoutingservices at AOL.com. We'll take some of the best thoughts and questions and put them together in a future podcast. But for now, Dave T., I'll let you get back to work. And thank you for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.